Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. With a VA career that began supporting veterans living in Puerto Rico and nearby regions, current Acting Undersecretary for Benefits Thomas Murphy oversees the nation's programs that distribute financial, education, and other assistance to veterans and their families. Murphy, a veteran himself, had an extensive career in the private sector and brought some of that thinking to VBA, such as a necessity to do things faster, as he says. He discusses how technology is ensuring that goal, recent updates to the GI Bill, and how VA is improving claims processing and digitization. Tom, thanks so much for joining us on GovCast. Awesome to have you. Looking forward to chatting. Thank you. Glad to be here. So what brought you to Veterans Affairs to begin with? So kind of a long, crooked road. But in short, I was working at Home Depot. They did a large reorganization at the headquarters. And I was one of the people that was given opportunity to go find other things to do. So I'm sitting looking at USA Jobs one day, and I saw an announcement for a regional officer director in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I said, I could do that. I spent 21 years in uniform and in the National Guard. And uh, veterans have always been a passion of mine. So now's the opportunity. So I stepped in. That's how I got the VA. I brought thoughts on other ways to address problems and issues and challenges and drive operations. And uh, it's worked out well for me. Can't complain about the location of Puerto Rico, too. It seems like a a natural and easy decision. (laughs) It was a beautiful place. Yes. Very happy there. VA has, it's undergone quite widespread modernization in recent years. What has that looked like in your world of things with all the benefits and claims processing? VA over the last six or seven years has made an amazing transformation. It wasn't all that long ago when there there were pictures of file cabinets with stacks and stacks of paper files sitting on top of them. We had structural engineers looking at our floors because they were in danger of collapsing under the weight. And we were using two or three generations old processing system. Since then, we've we've put a VBMS, Veterans Benefits Management System, which is where all the processing is done. We scanned all those records. We emptied hundreds of thousands of square foot of storage space. And by the way, that space was in some of the most expensive real estate in the nation that we're no longer needing. And we digitized everything. It just turns out that COVID had made it necessary for us to send everybody home and seeing how everything was on computers we were ready to go with that. So that's the part of digitizing everything. Then we put automation in place. I'm gonna use an example in the pension world where we've automated just a part of the work. And and some of the things that come in in the pension world, the veteran files online electronically and through our rules engines, we're making a decision and, and within hours taking action on that cases. The equivalent is 100,000 extra decisions were done in the last year just right automating a small percentage of the pension work. So the fact that we digitize everything and now we're automating the process is starting to pay off in big dividends for us. Amazing. The power of digital is certainly something that the claims and benefits processing sees almost immediately in the back end. And as far as the veteran, that means, you know, faster benefits received, which is really the ultimate goal. Oh, absolutely. Look, a couple of years ago, we put an automation process in for dependency. The veterans receiving disability at a certain level, and they have a child that uh, is born, they get divorced, they get married. They would come in, they'd enter it in the keyboard, and within minutes, the decision is made, and that person starts getting paid or gets their 
adjustments made just as they need to be. And previous to this, it took months of people reading paper. Now we were doing it in seconds while you were on the phone. And it just kind of scraps the surface of what we can really start doing with automation. The next step is what you're seeing here in pension. And now we're going after it with the digital GI Bill and the education. So you mentioned you're a veteran yourself having served in the Guard. Do you feel like you look at some of the agency's mission areas or tech challenges with a unique perspective, especially considering something like uh, a veteran receiving their benefit and, and what technology means for that? Absolutely. You know, we have we have signs all over the place in, in our buildings and everywhere it says it's not a file, it's a veteran. And as while it's a file that we're working on, you got to keep in mind that this is real. And, and the things that we're doing is impacting the life of a veteran out there that needs something from the VA. That's why they came to us. Sometimes it's to get a home loan. They need a certificate of eligibility, which, by the way, 99% of the time you get within an hour. Or is it a total disability or is it hospital benefits? Is it we're the entry point to everything? So all of that comes to us. And, and how does it fit in the technology world? We're the entry point for all things VA. Anything you're coming into, you want to go to cemeteries, you want to go to hospitals, you want to go to wherever, the entry point is through the VBA. And the faster we are in the process, the faster a veteran that comes to us is able to get the benefits, assistance, health, whatever, medical care that they need. So uh, we need to leverage what we have with the digitization, leverage it in terms of automation, and give them quicker, faster access to uh, the technology that we have now. Look, we're, we're in a world now where a veteran expects to reach in his pocket, pull out his smartphone, swipe his finger left or right a few times, and snap, I got everything I needed. And the problem is nobody understands how much work goes into that swipe left and hit enter. And it's a lot. It is, definitely. But to the veteran, they see it as, hey, why not? This is my life. You know, meet the veteran where they are. And I think it seems like VA is definitely moving that direction, if not already. Yes. So you mentioned Home Depot. It's kind of an interesting transition from Home Depot to VA. It's such different fields. What were some of the biggest differences that you experienced between the private sector and the public sector and kind of what that transition looked like? The secret sauce, the magic, the why VA, why are we different? It's the people. And the people here laser focused on we take care of veterans. In the private sector, it's, and, and Home Depot, by the way, is a company that had a really great culture, really very much driven to say, you know, we work for Home Depot. They even had their own cheer. Great company to work for, great organization. But if Home Depot had the mission focus that the people at VBA had, they would be dominating the planet right now. That's the difference. The difference is the people. From a highly motivated organization, which I thought was just top of the world, to come to our organization and, and see the dedication that people spend coming in every day. I mean, our, our folks get up in the morning with a, I get to go to work today and take care of veterans attitude. That's the secret sauce. That's the biggest difference between what's going on in the private sector. and Now, then there's another part that comes that we learn from the private sector, and that is speed. In the government, there's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of steps. There's a let's stop, let's analyze, let's get more data. In the private sector, they look at it, they analyze, they make a decision. I think I got a 90% solution, execute. And then you fix it the last few steps as you go away. And that, that's not the government way of thinking. So how do you merge those two together to get the speed of private industry 
But at the same time, there's some things that the government sector has, which is there's some safety in there and not taking too much risk. So you've got to marry the two together to say, how do I go faster? But how do I do it in such a way that I'm not taking so much risk that I'm doing the wrong things and I've got various stakeholders after me? Exactly. It's definitely a, uh, a fine line you have to balance between getting kind of the best of both worlds in there. Yes. And by the way, my mantra is, oh, that's great. Now do it fast. <laughs> Come in and tell me we can do this in six months. I say, great. Now do it in uh, two and a half because I, I know you can go faster. And uh, people internally, once they start looking at it, you drive them like that. They always seem to figure out a way. They may not hit the two months I asked for, but they figured out how to beat six. Were there any lessons learned specifically from your time in uh, industry that applies now to your current work? Yeah. And this is a great story that comes along with this. Uh, I was standing in an aisle the front of a store, Home Depot did an advertisement. We're selling this product in the store and we look at it. It's been up there for sale for two days. And by the way, there's a long supply chain goes back six months long. You put this product on an end cap for two days. We're standing in front of it and this executive vice president says, how's it selling? I said, not good. And I read him some numbers. He said, okay, let's mark it down and get rid of it. It's a dog. And I said, are you crazy? It's only been here two days. We gotta, we're going to be running this for a month. And he said, um, if it's a dog on day two, it's a dog on day 30. Make your decisions now, take your action, and put something else in there that's going to work. And that lesson has served me so well in the government sector that make your decisions, look at it, put it in place, and it's not all of a sudden going to get better because you gave it more time. If it's not working, take early action, fix it, and move on. And, and that has really served well and allowed us to accomplish some things that Prior to that experience, I would have just let it go and I would have let it drag out for months, which ties back to my speed comment earlier in the private sector that we don't take advantage of in the government sector so much. It's an awesome story. So VA has, as we all know, has experienced pretty extreme impacts uh, over the past year with spikes and claims backlogs and, of course, all the benefits that went into uh, pandemic-related effects. How have you approached this challenge? How has VBA tackled that? Well, a little while ago, I talked about how we digitized it. We scanned it all and we put electronic processing systems in place. So on April 3rd, we stopped all in-person examinations to protect safety of our veterans and our examiners. And by that time, we had sent all of our employees to work from home. So in, a, in about a two-week time frame, we had majority of our work workers were in, in the office. We sent them home. We got them new computers. We had some VPN hookup problems. We had some speed problems. So IT had to jump through hoops and fix our networks so that our backbone was working properly. But they did rapidly. Uh, and once they did that, we had the most productive days in the history of EBA because nobody was, there wasn't the water cooler thing going on. People stayed home and they worked. Managers weren't in a way. We weren't having meetings for the sake of meetings. We were just taking care of veterans like we do. And we just knocked out of the park. Very quickly, we ran out of work because the supply chain stopped. We didn't have veterans coming in and doing examinations because we suspended the in-person part. So once we suspended that, we worked with what we had left and then told all veterans, you don't have to come in. And by the way, normally the law says when we require you to come in an examination, you get to come in and take the exam. And if you don't show up, we just make a rating decision on your case anyway. We just move forward with it. But because of the pandemic and people were, were in fear, we had to do the right thing. So we allowed veterans to opt not to show up for those examinations. 
As a result, I'm sitting on an inventory right now of about 45,000 veterans who have said, no, I'm not feeling safe even today. That number was close to 60,000 just a couple of weeks ago because of the vaccination efforts and society starting to open up again, veterans are starting to come back in. So that's been a big impact for us. Our big measure is our backlog. That number doubled in that time. There's some other things we did in this space to switch the way we were attacking things and the way we were thinking things. We, um, we were doing a process called the ACE exam, acceptable clinical evidence. What it means is I would look at your medical records that we have in your VA records, and then we would make a decision on your rating disability based off of those records. You're already being treated by VA. We might as well use the evidence we have. So we were only doing a, a small number, 10% or so of that before. Now we've expanded that. Instead of doing 19 different medical conditions, we've expanded that to 34 medical conditions. And now we're in the 15, 18% range is being done by ACE. And then in, in some cases, I'd have enough evidence in the file to get most of it, but not all of it. So I would call the veteran and we do a telehealth interview. And then I would complete the rest of that examination. So we greatly increased the number and the volume of what we were doing. So a big chunk of veterans didn't have to come in. They were getting their benefits and the decisions made and access to healthcare without ever having to come and step into an office. That was forced by COVID. So it's a big change for us. And that's one that's going to stay going forward. Why, why do we call veterans in when we really don't absolutely have to do that for us? I love the what you said, how it's been the best year ever. And it's kind of it kind of shows that VA really rises against challenges, you know, something as terrible as the pandemic and how it, you know, upended almost everything and, you know, normal life as we know it. But at the same time, look how VBA treated it and overcame and had a best year ever. That It's kind of an amazing story. If you look at best year ever, I primarily talked about the disability function of it. But if you go back in and look at VRNE, if you look at loan guarantee, if you look at education, if you look at insurance, if you look at every single program we have, every one of those programs is doing between 25 and 50% faster, better, higher quality than they were doing pre-pandemic. In the heart of a pandemic, we're delivering services across the board. The only choke point we have is the safety part of the veteran coming in to get their examinations done. So have we hit best year ever? Yes, absolutely. That's great. So considering uh, these challenges and these quick pivots that you experienced and looking uh, into VA's you know, modernization journey, is there anything about the state of technology at VA that you've learned about and about where it's headed? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, especially at this time, because th this is the pivot point. We've digitized the world. We've put it all at everybody's fingertips, including the veterans, their service officers, us, anybody that needs to see it. Now's the time to say, Let's flip from the world where we're using, today we're largely electronic images, PDF. How do we start extracting the information off of those PDFs and using it to make database decisions? How do we start automating the parts that can be done and we concentrate our people on the things that only a person can do when the real difficult judgment has to step in place? So the next step here is start doing data extraction and use the data extraction to drive decision-making for us and automating much of that. And a prime example of where that worked was certificate of eligibility and loan guarantee world. It wasn't all that long ago where you, you talk to your real estate agent and they set a letter in the VA and a, a month or two months later, just before closing, you hope that that certificate of eligibility showed up in the mail. 
Now you log into va.gov, you press a few buttons, and then you download an image and you're done. In fact, you don't even have to download an image. It's recorded in the system and the real estate officer can see it. And we've gone that way in a relatively short time. Why can't I get a rating decision in 30 seconds using that same kind of technology? That's where we're headed next. You mentioned automation. Are there any other emerging technologies or even more automation technologies that you're excited about overall in federal IT? Um, the biggest one for me is going back to the data extraction. And then the next part is part of what we have is you have a current medical condition. And then you have to pair that with, did that event happen in service? So if I have a bad knee, do I have a bad knee because I was in the military and I fell on a parachute landing? Or do I have a bad knee because after I left the military, I tripped and hurt my leg playing football? So there's got to be an event in service. There has to be a current condition and a nexus that connects the two. So the automation of the personnel records and the military records on where a veteran was and the things that they did, coupling that with the medical, that's the next trip. How do I use the data to bring all of that together for me at a single place to put it to the advantage of the veteran and give them timely, accurate access to the benefits they're seeking? Definitely. Talk about the power of data, for sure. Yes. Uh, I got to take one more plug on this one. The digital GI Bill. This is, we got a great post-9-11 GI Bill. It pays incredible benefits, covers all your costs, living stipend, et cetera. But the access to it, while we're doing great right now, it's taking days and weeks. But it's taking days and weeks at a time when I know everything there is to know about a veteran digitally in my system. And if I know it digitally, I should be able to extract the data and I should be able to deliver approvals, benefits in minutes. So the digital GI Bill is doing just that for us. We're going to take what is taking days and weeks and sometimes months, and we're going to turn that into minutes and hours over the next 12 months. That's exciting. I've heard so much about the GI Bill, especially over the course of the pandemic and how that's been impacting veterans pretty significantly. But, you know, you have left quite a legacy at VA considering your 10 years there and starting way back in Puerto Rico. Are there any lasting impacts that you hope to introduce and then leave at VA? Well, we got a couple of things that are that uh, Congress gave us that are, are really impacting the world. And I got to start with, uh, it's called the VRAP program, Veterans Rapid Retraining Assistance Program. It came in the uh, American Rescue Plan. It gave us $386 million at a time when it's needed most. So you're a veteran, you lose your job as a result of COVID, and you need retraining into another career field. This program will give you 12 months of training. It'll give you employment assistance at the completion of the training, and it'll pay you a living stipend while you're going to school and getting retrained to go into something else. This is a great program. It hits us just at the right time. The economy is opening up. You can go in to hit this program up to 12 months targeted and includes job placement at the end of, at the completion of the training program. That's a good one. That one excites me. And in terms of what do I, what do I expect to people to look back and see what I've done at VA over the last decade plus, I just hope that uh, I left the place better than it was when I got here, I guess would be the closing comment for me. Well, thank you, Tom. This was an awesome look at uh, your pretty extensive path at VA and the private sector and how that's impacting technology at various initiatives at VBEA, including claims backlogs. And it's pretty exciting future. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what VA does 
in the coming uh, months with its programs and the GI Bill advancements. So thanks so much for sharing some of these perspectives. Thanks. I'm really excited to see what the future holds for us. You have a great day. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to our website. And please, if you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes. We continue to strive to help you connect with federal IT's top decision makers. Thanks for listening.